is greater than knowledge. It's the same reason why I'm up here, even though I may struggle with my pronunciation or that I prefer engaging small groups rather than a whole congregation. Uh, if it came down truly to my selfish being, I would really be happy just studying by myself and writing it in my notebooks and perhaps later on I write a book about it. Uh, however, <laughs> I want to somehow serve the people from my church that makes up the body of Christ and me being a bit of a nerd. Well, <laughs> always wanting to find the answers to a problem. This is how you get a shy guy to, to talk in front of people. Uh, by wanting to serve the church with whatever I am able to. Uh, however, I want to make things clear that with whatever knowledge I may have acquired uh, in my studies of the Bible and my insatiable want to always know more, all of this is completely worthless if I didn't have love. Uh, and this is what this chapter is all about. Love is what testifies that we are Christians. So just because I can quote some verses from memory, uh, just so you know, this doesn't make me a better Christian than you. Uh, maybe perhaps just a bigger bookworm, uh, if anything. <laughs> uh, but we are all equal. Uh, there are no classes in Christianity. And perhaps if there are indeed any difference between believers, it would be by how much do you love others. Okay, that's it. Let's, uh, let's go through our first few verses. Uh, verse number one. Now, about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know, as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Uh, I want to give a, uh, a brief definition on what biblical love means, since this is where everything in this message will hinge upon. As you know, there is a contrast between the love depicted in the Bible in contrast with uh, the love that you see so often in Hollywood and social media, uh, uh, which is a love emotionally driven with roller coasters of ups and downs. Uh, and, and don't worry, I'm right there with you. I've read the books, The Lord of the Ring, Narnia, so they indeed know how to pull your heartstrings. But I digress. In the Bible, Love is defined as sacrificially, forgiving, patient, kind. It doesn't boast and is not self-seeking and edifies people. Other definition, Jesus himself says that there is no greater love than to lay one's life for one's friend. Or also beautifully stated, and perhaps something interesting to think about for anyone here who is single, love can't wait to give, lust can't wait to get. Now, in all of these uh, definitions, we're able to see a pattern and the contrast between them. Worldly love is selfish. It focuses on me and my pleasure, my own desires. Emotions quickly come and go uh, and can leave us feeling depressed, sad, pissed, mad. But in contrast, true love is long-suffering. It's a choice. It's the constant choice that you make, uh, not a feeling. The same true love that was incarnated uh, and that th and 2,000 years ago chose to carry the cross, even when we were his enemies. The day that true love died for us, this decision that Jesus made for us to sacrifice, edifies our lives, 
in our walk of sanctification. Uh, with this in mind, this is the love that draws you near to him and him to you, building this everlasting relationship. Besides love, all other knowledge is worthless and selfish, and selfish pain, uh, if not down from love. What's the use if I, Daniel, you know, Bible verses or the definition of biblical love, yet if I have no relationship to God, our Father, I would have nothing. Everything would be meaningless. Uh, let's continue to verse 4. Uh, so then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, are, uh, on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. I want to stop here and quietly clarify something. There are indeed many false gods and false lords, just like in the time of Corinth and their pagan rituals. Uh, I mean, sorryfully, we can take a look around our world, uh, which is just like Corinth, which was a place filled with paganism. We can still uh, see the same things even currently in our modern times. A lot of pagan practices like magic, sexual debauchery, New Age or false New Age Christianity, even practices like uh, law of attraction, or that there is no God-defined morality, that you can believe in whatever you want to match you, uh, whatever personal truth that our flesh may prefer or that our society prefers, instead of God's truth, among many other meaningless practices and, and, and thoughts. Now, even though as Christians, we know that these false practices, thoughts, gods, powers, principalities, are silly and have no real existence and are powerless. However, they are not harmless. Uh, for those who participate in them, uh, but I will not spoil uh, future chapter 10, uh, the important part here in our, in our chapter for our church is to remind us just how incredible it is that we are able to have a relationship with not only the one who created us before the foundation of the world, but also the one who saved us from death. And we can call him at any time, at any need for his help. So don't be shy to call to our Father, who is alive, is the truth, and has true power, and whose presence is right here at this very moment among, among us in this church. And, and he truly loves you and cares for you. So, Tell, tell all your troubles, small and big, to, to, to a gentle savior. Uh, we'll continue to the next verse, verse seven. Uh, but now everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us nearer to God. We are not worse if we do not eat, and not better if we do. Be careful, however, that we exercise of your rights, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now we've arrived at the place where Paul has been working towards to this problem, building 
throughout the whole chapter. And before we proceed, I want us to think back uh, to our love definition that we just went over, which is a love that edifies people and is long-suffering. Uh, the current problem that Paul is illustrating is around the conflict of freedom. And to further paint his question, now let me, I'll illustrate this with another picture and ask you a question afterwards. Um, would you eat a pizza pie with delicious melted cheese uh, with some pineapple on it? Don't question my, my topping preferences. <laughs> the pizza just came out of the brick oven. You can smell the flavor. Uh, you know, if you take a bite of it, it was making pleasant, crunchy sounds. Uh, hope all of you have breakfast. Anyways, would you eat this in front of your friend who just told you he or she were on a diet? Will you delay your own personal freedom, your own pleasure, your own desire for the benefit of your friend? After all, we know that love is about putting someone in front of our needs. Or in other words, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I also, uh, before proceeding and, and going to depth, I, I want to provide a bit of context in regards to this sacrificial food that we see being mentioned in this verse. Uh, depending from what part of the world and, and the culture, the topic of food uh, is huge. It's very, it's very important. And, and we even see this issue brought up multiple times in the Bible, as you see uh, gentile, what can gentle people eat versus what Jewish people consider clean and they're able to consume. Uh, so in, in this case, the sacrificial food was meat from a slaughtered animal sacrificed in a pagan te uh, temple which this meat was then either consumed by the priest at the temple or sold at the market for people to cook. Uh, so with this bit of a cultural context, we can see why Paul is addressing this topic of, to the church at Corinth and addressing their question, uh, if they are allowed to eat such uh, meat. Now the point that Paul emphasizes, however, is that it, it depends on the context. And, and the nature of the action. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the sacrifice meat that comes from a pagan ritual. The food in itself is not the issue, it is the context in which this is happening. Such as if you're eating this meat out of idolatrous worship, then yeah, of course it's not allowed. But food in itself is not a threat in regards to our relationship with God, nor a benefit uh, in our relationship to our God or Father. Um, okay, that's it. Let's uh, continue to hear from Apostle Paul in verse 10. Uh, verse 10. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. And uh, Paul knows how to explain things so clearly that I don't feel I should add anything else, but just to make the point and reiterate, the issue uh, is, it's not freedom or exercising your personal freedom. The point 
Paul is making is to abstain from your own personal freedom out of love for your brothers and sisters. Even if you know you are not doing anything wrong, Paul explains that out of love to put other people in front of our own interests, even if we know better. Our mission that we're currently working in this temporary human life, life that is fragile. Uh, it's, it's a life it's as children of God who follow Jesus, the God-man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a man, it's a mission to save souls, not cause them to stumble and be lost to destruction. We have no idea what our weaknesses your brother or sister may have. Uh, you probably don't know. Our weaknesses is something that more than likely uh, we are ashamed of and we don't want anyone to see our failures. Uh, so let me present to you a, a personal example. I, I love to work out. You may call me actually a bit obsessive over it. I have built a very systematic schedule depending if I am doing uh, calorie deficit or calorie surplus, and each day of the week has uh, attached to it a different body part that I will program it to get it destroyed in a one-hour training session. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my parents always, since I was a kid, ingrained in me the importance of dressing modestly, which is something that I actually came to understand uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, when I was a kid, I was just complying. I didn't really uh, knew the meaning behind it. Uh, but after bad experiences, uh, after bad experiences, I actually, I actually came to, to know this. And, and, so one of the ways that I personally do what Paul is suggesting in these verses is to make a conscious effort of the clothes I wear if, I am to do, if I'm doing any athletic activity outdoors. Uh, rather than saying my body, my choice, and wear whatever I want without, without thinking of other people around me, by just thinking selfishly of me, or because I am so smart that I can argue with the knowledge that, hey, is there an issue if they're looking? Not mine, I don't feel compromised at all. It's not my intention to compromise at all. So why, why then should I feel bad? However, <laughs> I, have looked at it, I have looked into this instead as, as an act of love. An act of love for the people around me to sacrifice my own comfort for their wellness, for their sake, for their soul so they can be safe, be protected against temptation to sin, put in first their salvation before whatever smart, foolish wisdom I can conjure up as an excuse to only think of my freedom. However, uh, there's also an even bigger and more important act of love happening behind the scenes also, uh, which revolves around my relationship with God. Uh, which is sacrificing myself as an act of love and submission to God, for my body is not mine, nor is my choice since it is God that lives in me, and my body is God's. And it is to be our priority to heal, provide hope with the gospel, and support the weak, not being the reason why people fall or stumble in their spiritual growth. Again, true love doesn't bring people down, it edifies. It edifies them and it's long-suffering, patient. This decision to act out of true love will depend and everyone is different with different circumstances. But in my case, I can project my love to others 
uh, even as small as willingly inconvenience myself just a bit more during the summer weather, uh, during my outdoor training sessions, by the clothes I choose to wear. And if you allow me, I would want to ask something of you, my church. Uh, please be mindful of this selfless love. It won't take long to practice this, even just leaving the doors of our church. You may very well be met with such a, an opportunity, uh, a decision that you may have to make, where you have the choice between following Jesus Christ's example and what he would do or not. Uh, and I want to truly encourage you to please follow our Savior's example, even though most of the times this will mean the hardest path, the toughest decision. But to still follow uh, his example on the cross, every time you are facing one of these, cho these choices or situations, think back of how much our beautiful Jesus suffered in the cross, naked, mocked, tortured, rejected, and murdered. What our Savior, <laughs> just put more context, what our Savior decided to go through for us in the cross was such an abomination that in Isaiah 52 it illustrates that his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred before human likeness. All of this he did because of each, each and every one of you, to save you and give you eternal life to those that will repent and turn back to him. As children of God, we are to be different from how the world acts, even if the world thinks of our selfless love as weakness and foolishness, there will be nothing more worthwhile than to sacrifice for, for these very people that reject or mock us. Because you would gain unimaginable eternal joy and treasures in heaven. <laughs>